this is the Justin McIsaac podcast with Justin McIsaac. I'm Justin McIsaac. I have no idea what the song is uh, because I'm recording this on my phone. My computer's still updating. That's 25%. That's good. Oh, God. Uh, so, yeah, the, you're, you're listening to this a little later than usual. This is uh, Drew McGarry of Deadspin and GQ. And he, he does all sorts of stuff. Uh, uh, mostly you probably know him for Deadspin. Uh, he just wrote a book called The uh, the Hike, which was uh, very good. It's a, a sci-fi-ish book. And uh, it, it's real messed up, as you hear me say to Drew in the uh, right in the beginning of the interview. Um, the sound quality might be a little bit weird. I had to tape this at the uh, cubicle job in one of the... Uh, one of the conference rooms during lunch. I couldn't really yell and scream like I enjoy doing during the podcast, but uh, there you go. Yeah, Drew McGarry, he, he's usually a little more negative. He was very positive in this interview, which which kind of took me aback. He usually he's, he hates everything and swears a lot, and he was kind of upbeat. I don't, know that was, uh, I don't know what that was about, but uh, I always enjoy talking to Drew. We talk about the book. We talk about Trump. He wrote a, a Trump thing the day before uh, I talked to him. Uh, he's a Vikings fan. We talked about that. All sorts of stuff. So here you go. Uh, the Justin McIsaac podcast with Justin McIsaac. Drew McGarry of Deadspin.com. Enjoy. Joining me on the podcast this week is uh, the author of a whole bunch of books. The latest one is called The Hike. They just finished last night, and it, uh, it's really fucked up, and it was really good. It's uh, Drew McGarry. How are you? Thank you, sir. Your retweet is in the mail. Oh, I can't wait. That's uh yeah, you've been on a retweet frenzy with uh, with all the play, all, all the praise, all, all the hot takes on your book. I know it sucks. <laughs> I, I hate retweeting compliments. Sucks, and it's so self-aggrandizing and gross. But I've I've learned the hard way that the, really, if you want people to buy a book, you just have to constantly remind them of it, even if it compromises all of your dignity and reputation. So I th- there's I th- nothing else I can do. I think you kind of did it so much that it came back around and became funny. So that's maybe there's a lesson to be learned there. That is my hope and prayer. And you can always turn off retweets. So I, I, I don't hold that against people. That. I forget about that. You can turn that off. But uh, I, there, there was a bunch of stuff I wanted to talk to you about. But let's start with the book because I did just finish it last sure. night. And uh, and I, I thought it was really good. Um, what, what What's wrong with you, man? What's, some, some, some of the shit in there is messed up. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I, to me, it was, you know, a lot of the reviews were like, oh, it's you know, really weird, and it's weird, and oh, it's, it's supposed to be so weird. And to me, I, I don't know. I, maybe I had the wrong way, but I always thought it was a very sort of normal story because it's just a guy gets lost, and then he has to find his way home. Like, it's just basic. Right. You know, it's as basic, you know, as, as any other story, you know, goes all the way back to the Odyssey. It's a very sturdy trope to build on. And then, you know, when, you know, when I was a kid, I wrote, I read lots of folk tales and fairy tales and all this sort of dark, you know, sort of stuff. Or can I swear on this podcast? You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, swear away. Huh. Well, it was weird shit where, you know, there were, there were, there weren't a lot of rules, right? right. There were monsters and they could change into things and. And, you know, and time was sort of elastic. And, you know, these were really durable stories I really liked. So to me, I just, I was really interested in doing something that had that sort of, uh, you know, a guy walks into some place that, that has a, that has a sort of timeless quality to it. And, uh, you know, it's weird and, and there's like an adventure to it. But yeah, it's also, there's not, there's not a lot of rules apart from a few things that ground it so that you sort of stay within the story and it doesn't feel like I'm just, 
just dicking around on the page. Right, yeah, and I don't want to give any specific instances away because I want people to read it. I, I don't tell people to go read to go buy things unless I actually think they're good or unless people are paying me, and you're not paying me to say it. So people should definitely go grab not it. Not yet. Not, well, not yet. Well, it's, the day's not over yet. But uh, there are I, – I, I did enjoy some of the uh, some of the shout-outs. Well, not shout-outs, but um, kind of Easter eggs people can pick up on if they read your uh, Deadspin stuff. Uh, the, the Jay Cutler reference most prominently I thought stood out. Yeah, a lot of people caught that. That was that was cool. Yeah, there's there's, a, there's some of that stuff in there. There's, you know, some of the char- one of the characters based off of. There was a monster that was based off of stuff we used to do at KSK. Yeah, and um, you know, there's stuff at the end that echoes some of the you know stuff I've done at Deadspin. I, I won't give it away, but you know, there's a lot there's a lot of that, and that's fun. But I mean, it, it also needed to be a book that that anyone who had who didn't know who the hell I was, and didn't know what Deadspin was, and didn't know what GQ was. Or never read me in GQ and just didn't care. Right. You know, they need to be able to pick it up. And, or, I mean, you know, when books are hard because the, the ideal is that you're getting into, you know, book clubs. You're getting into people, you know, you know, you want a dozen, you know, 50-year-old ladies to, to read your book too, you know, not just, not just, not just Desmond readers. Because, you know, frankly, you know. They're going to get it anyway. Yeah. They're, they're, or they're going to get it anyway or they're not really good readers like the, <laughs> like that's that's really that's not the sort of target audience for most books so it was important to me to, to write something that you know anyone who likes you know who picked up girl on the train or or gone girl and that stuff would also like this and enjoy it too wouldn't feel sort of excluding to them yeah so the uh, the main character ben obviously there's some things that are based off of you i mean uh just you know just from you know, reading your stuff on uh, Deadspin GQ, you know, your guy from Minnesota moved to Maryland, blah, blah, blah. How much of the, I mean, other than the basic, like, framework, you know, guy with three kids, how much of the character is based off of you, and, uh, or am I just reading too much into that? I think, that, like, the, the sort of situational thing is, is very much me, but then there's a lot that I took liberties with. Obviously, you know, he's sort of a dark guy, he's sullen, pretty quiet, I never shut up. Uh, you know, he's got a big, he's got a big scar on his face. I don't have, I just, my face looks dumb, but it's not going to be a scar. Um, he has a really bad family history and I don't, um, yeah, that, so, you know, it's, it, it's like anything else. You take, you take sort of real life and you twist it to make it interesting. Cause I think if, if the character had been sort of like me, eh, you know, I don't, I don't know that, that that's really interesting enough to, to sustain through a whole novel. Cause I'm, I'm not a terribly interesting person. I'm not saying that out of false humility. Like, I've based characters off of me, and people were like, I don't really care about that character. <laughs> which, is, which is a horrible which is a horrible re- revelation to find that you're not interesting at all. But. Yeah, what are you going to do? Most of us aren't, I don't think. Yeah, what are you going to do? So, so you seem to be, uh, as far as novels go, I mean, somehow I missed uh, one of them, but uh, the post-mortal I thought was excellent. Um, this one was excellent. I missed the one in the middle there, the end dealer, I think it was called. Or I'm probably fucking up the name. but uh, So is this kind of like, is this your way to... Oh, the end specialist. I make it. Is this your way of getting away from uh, all the sports and pop culture stuff you do, as far as uh, you know, writing for Deadspin GQ stuff like that? No, I mean, first of all, end specialist and postmortal are the same book, actually. Oh, they yeah, are. Specialist is just a, yes, it's just a British title for postmortal. Oh, no, yeah. Buy. I was looking at I was looking at uh, you know your your bibliography. I'm like, what the fuck was this? How did I miss that? Yeah, it's <laughs> very annoying. That's right. Anyway, um, no, uh, no, it's not meant as a sort of escape hatch from my day job. Um, I like doing all of it. Um, and it's just, you know, if I have spare time, I like writing other stuff, too. And I think it's good good for me. And then obviously there's there's money from books, so that's good, yeah. too. Um, so it's not, 
You know, I think I don't think there will ever be a day where I'm just writing novels. I because I don't think my attention span works yeah. that way, and yeah. I don't think like I had had two false I had false starts with two other novels before I wrote this, um, and I I think that I just had to sort of work out the kinks before I could get to this idea and and see it through. And I don't think that would happen if I didn't have other stuff to occupy me while that was going on. I think I sort of have to multitask. And my, my brain does not focus very well. Like, even now, you know, like, I you know, I have internet ADD like everybody else. You yeah. know, I check my phone every five seconds and all that horrible shit. So how does, how does that process go for you? Do you, like, sketch out the whole, like, uh, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of the story? Or do you just start... Start writing, and then uh, you know one day you wake up and Pharaoh, this guy's going to run into a giant ass cricket in a in, on the third floor. Does that or, or do you know in advance what's going to happen to this dude, or is it just kind of an ongoing process? It depends. I don't I don't outline because um, I mean I should ideally you write you you do an outline you know and you have you have you know sort of ideas for characters and all that stuff. I can't. I'm just not good at that. Like I'm not good at sort of pulling that out of my ass and putting it down. Like I I have to be writing it. And then the plot points sort of come to me naturally, like a, like a, there's a direction and a shape to it. I can only really grasp if I'm in the middle of the story and sort of discovering it as I write it. Doesn't doesn't work any other way. Um, and you know, and that means just sometimes you'll you'll hit a roadblock as I as I have before, and other times, you know, stuff will just sort of you know, the more you write, the more your brain will come up with for you, and it just sort of percolates. And so there are, you know, you know, as I'm writing it, well, okay, here's an idea for the ending. And I know, you know, and so I have that in my brain as I'm in the middle of writing it. I know I want to get to that point. And so, you know, there's a lot that's constructed in the center that will, you know, that will help the ending make sense and, and structure the story in that way. But it has to, it, but I, the only way that I can do it is to have it sort of unfold organically in my brain. Sure. Okay. So, uh, let me ask you this. Let's shift gears a little bit. You uh, you wrote a big thing. Well, not a big thing. You wrote a thing for GQ. I, I saw it yesterday about Trump, which I think if, uh, a lot of people have gotten to the point where we just want to scream fuck you at people that are voting for Trump. There's no other. Yeah. There's not a whole lot else. You know, all the arguments I think at this point have been made. You just want yeah, to scream yeah. fuck you at people. So uh, you you were kind of uh, not embedded, but you went to a bunch of Trump rallies early in the campaign, and you saw a lot of these people. Uh, what the hell's going on? I guess is my question. <laughs> well, I went. I went to Iowa last August, so it was right at the beginning. Right, and it, it's just. It's, I don't know if it's, I don't know if my viewpoints are, are valid now compared to then because that was during the primary season, and you know people were you know people were were voting for Trump as a kind of protest vote against the Republican establishment. And to be fair to those people. To me, the rest of that field was garbage. So sure. you're, you're picking garbage out from garbage. So, uh, you know, like, oh, you want to go for the outrageous guy. That's fine. But, you know, to me, now that it's now that it's serious and now that it's evident that, that Trump has no ideas outside of his own self-aggrandizement, um, you know, to me, it's completely insane that anybody would, would vote for him over 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 Clinton or if they hate Clinton then, then just some third party can, you know, or Gary Johnson or Mickey Mouse or whatever the fuck. It just, um, and, and yeah, and the, the other thing is that there's nothing, there's nothing else I can really say. There's nothing else that could be reported that's going to matter. There's nothing he's going to say that's going to matter. You know, it's like, you know, it's like the people who vote for him are, are dead set on it for reasons that I don't really understand at all. There's, I, 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 I'm, I've probably said this every election. I've never, 
felt, uh, you know, what are we, two months away, a month and a half away. I ju- I, if, if I could pay someone $100 to knock me out, and you could ensure me I'd be in a coma until, you know, the morning of the election, just because I'm just so tired of everyone, even the people I agree with. I'm, I don't want to hear any of their shit anymore either. I mean, I feel like the entire country's reached that point. Yeah, I think so. But then I also think people sort of like, I think people say they hate it, but they still like the show. You know, like everybody's going to watch those debates. Well, that was the other thing. Yeah, I was going to follow up with, I'll be a complete hypocrite and I'll be glued to my TV Monday night. Yeah, I think, I think that's what, that's how it works. Everyone says they hate politics, but you can't help but be invested in it because it's, it's, you know, especially when you reach a certain age, like I'm 39, so that stuff matters to me, whether I yeah, want to or not. I'm 38, so, so yeah. I have to pay. Yeah, so I have to pay attention to it. Um, you know, I think, yeah, it's just sort of like this, this obvious fatigue that's in, and then sort of a, you know, depression that, that it's, you know, that it's gotten this close. It's a little, you know, because I get people wanting change, you know, like that's why Obama got elected. And that's, that's what every campaign is about. Every Everyone who, campaigns with friends, I'm going to change everything, I'm going to shake things up in Washington. And then they get there and they realize that there is a, that they they can't, that they have to adjust and they have to, the only way that they're going to get anything done is by working within the, you know, by by executing stuff within the framework of of how the government works. You can't just go and just, you know, wipe out Congress and stuff like that. And so, you know, to me, I already know that someone like Trump really isn't serious about changing anything would go and wouldn't be able to do anything. Or if he did do anything, it would be, you know, some horrible thing like pushing the nuclear button. And uh, and he, he won't be able to adjust at all. It'll just be a, a miserable son of a bitch. So, I, you know, I don't... It's it's hard for me to envision people not seeing that, especially when everything he said is, has been a lie. And he's, he's just... You know, like, the shit he said, like... Like, if someone... Uh, you know, if someone said, I'm not going to pay my contractor because i don't like yeah. you know the light bulbs that they used you say that's a shitty guy you know yeah. it, just and that's just one instance you know and trump has like thousands of these instances <laughs> and that's not it's not normal it's really not normal like they, i i have never encountered someone like that in my dealings as a human being if i did i would run the fuck away from him Right, he's he's kind of like your shitty brother that says he's going to help you move and and never shows up, even though you're depending on him. But if your shitty brother was a billionaire, I don't really think he thought he was going to get this far or wanted to get this far. I think he, now he's just kind of stuck. Yeah, but I also think I think reading his mind is impossible because there's nothing fucking there. You know, I've done <laughs> I've done the sort of I try I've tried to do the mind melting. Well, he doesn't really want to win. I don't. I don't know because I think it, yeah. I think it's whatever way the fucking wind blows now. Just a bunch of spiders running around up there. All right, um, let me ask you about your Vikings. Are they cursed? Does this new stadium curse everybody? No, no, I don't believe are, any of that shit. Are you? It's, well, I think it's not not Dan Shaughnessy I, cursed. Like, with, just with, it, there is some weird shit going on though. Quarterback and your running back go down within three weeks of each other, and it's still winning somehow though. It's shitty, but I also think I I think that um, you know I honestly thought they should have cut ties with Adrian Peterson a year ago, and Matt Khalil, who they also lost the other day, starting left tackle. Oh, I thought they should have cut ties with him because he was bad. <laughs> um, and so to me, it's not you know it looks like curses and it looks like bad luck and all that stuff. But to me, it's also the residue of, of not terribly great planning. Even though I actually like. I like the GM, and I, you know, I think 
and I love Mike Zimmer, and I love the defense and all that stuff. Um, I'd much rather lose Peterson than any of the key defenders on that defense because whether or not they go to the playoffs in advance will be it will be like Denver. It's entirely dependent on on that defense thriving. So, you know, to me, it's like a lot of stuff that looks like curses and looks like bad luck is actually just in reality shit management. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I, th- I think Zimmer's a great coach. I, I love that team. I think the NFC is shitty enough this year so that, uh, you know, the Vikings could take a run at the at least getting to the championship game. I mean, who else is good yeah, in the NFC? Yeah, it's true because, because, Seattle, because Seattle seems to be legitimately bad now, like at least on offense. Like, I don't think that they're solving those. Like, I think the problems they have are real. And then, like, you have Arizona's pretty good, but they they blew it to New England. Mm-hmm. And they're Arizona. Like, I just don't trust Carson Palmer in the playoffs. And then you have the East, which is a mess. And then you have Cam, and that's kind of, you know, and that's kind of it. Like, maybe Jameis steps up. And then and then you have the Packers, and the Packers have their own problems right now, too. So, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's wide open. But you never know, because by November, December, everything will look completely fucked. Who's had the uh, the worst Kaepernick take? Do you think there's so many to choose from? It's it's it. it, it I thought this story was going to kind of go away after week one. Like, oh look, there's people kneeling, oh, oh, and you'd see your your, you know, the people you know on Facebook would post screeds about it about how he doesn't respect the troops because he won't stand up for the anthem, and I, it kept going through week two, and now with all this stuff in Charlotte, it this this seems like a story that's going to be we're we're going to have to ingest shitty takes all season long about it. I mean, I think there have been a lot of shitty takes, but I also it's also been sort of heartening to see, um, you know, A, that he hasn't been alone. You know, people yeah. joined him in, in the protest. He hasn't had to be out on an island. Um, and in some ways, I think, you know, I think he's garnered a lot of re- respect for that. I think, I think he's proven sincere. He wasn't doing it just to draw attention to himself. And he, and he knew he was taking a risk, and he also knew that, hey, he's not, he's not the greatest point in his playing career to be doing something like this. Cause, cause people can just shit on him for, yeah. for, you know, now being a backup and all that stuff. They did. And then people joined in with him, and, and his goal was to get people talking and, you know, to his credit. Yeah. There's a lot of shit takes, but that's just inevitable. There's also real constructive dialogue going on. And that's what's been sort of heartening. And then yeah, like, no one's run out and like, no idiot on the feet on the stands has like run out and tried to tackle him or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and there hasn't been any sort of horrible, decisive, you know, repression from the NFL about it. And that, to me, has been... That's been, been the cool. most surprising thing. So it's thing. been more positive. Huh? That's been the most surprising thing, that there hasn't been a big NFL, you know, Roger Goodell can't wait to pretend he's General Patton at any given moment. I'm surprised he hasn't just marched... Yeah, the fact that they handled it well is, is nice, you know? So I think that there's been more positive to come out of it than the negative, at least in, in my mind, you know? Yeah, and... Uh... Kaepernick really kind of being a sincere, thoughtful dude. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know Colin Kaepernick from from uh, you know from Adam, but he, you know, he his genuineness has really kind of surprised me. I guess just because he's a football player, and we're used to athletes turning out to be you know shitheads. <laughs> yeah, and I think that there's sort of a general, uh, you know, I think there's a general move to athletes being a bit more socially conscious. You know, without Lee passing away. And LeBron sort of taking up the mantle, and, and just the general social people going on just in society right now. I think it's 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 not as unusual as it used to be for for athletes to be outspoken, and that's that's cool. You know, I don't begrudge anybody like that. And the other thing is, I um, you know I met Kaepernick, Kaepernick. He's the only person I've ever interviewed 
uh, in person. I, the only athlete I've interviewed in person for Deadspin, and he was mm-hmm. nice and he was thoughtful, but he also, like, he likes fast cars and he likes, sure. you know, and he likes getting drunk and fucking chicks and stuff like that, just like anybody. <laughs> just like any young guy does. Like, he's a young guy, you know? He's yeah. still sort of figuring it out. And I think he's allowed to, to do that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so uh, your uh, your series concluded why your team sucks right before the season started. Who said is it? It's got to be Patriots fans. Who sends you the most obnoxious hate mail about that? I, full. Yeah, dis- I a lot this year because I think it's been a it's been around for so long now that people sort of get it. You know, it's very you know you'll get a few Twitter eggs like annoyed about it, but now it's pretty it's pretty tame. It's not like in previous years where you know I would get you know I would get a lot of. <laughs> hate mail from like Raiders fans or whatever um it's like like it's been around long enough where people say oh it's that guy so either they don't if they hate the series they don't care right or they or they're in on the joke and it's it's fine yeah as a full disclosure being from New Hampshire I'm a Patriots fan so uh I would uh, go to hell thank you yeah I think all football fans are just awful I mean you know trying to say Patriots fans are terrible which we are but I think anybody that goes to football games on a regular basis, those, oh, yeah. those are the worst people on earth. It's just... Yeah, that's the lesson. The lesson is never go to an NFL stadium, basically. Yeah, and it, by the way, if you want to see some hot takes come out, if, if Jacoby Brissett, we're taping this Thursday night, if he gets hurt tonight and there's no backup quarterback, you're going to see just flames shooting out of Dan Shaughnessy and, and, and Mike Felger and crew. But that's going to be – God, it sucks living here sometimes. Well, my, <laughs> my take is that my take is that Belichick can't wait to use Edelman for weird QB stuff. Like, he's excited <laughs> about that idea, you know? Like, I think the more, you know, the, the weirder position that he's put in, the more fun he has because he can bust out obscure rules and stuff like that. So it, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they – it wouldn't surprise me if they had a package for Edelman tonight, regardless. If they've been sitting know, on for, like, they, six years or something? Yeah, yeah. They just have a wildcat that they bust out for him and stuff. That wouldn't shock me in the slightest. No, not at all. Well, uh, the book is called The Hike. Uh, Drew McGarry is the guest. By the way, last time I spoke to you, which was like three or four years ago, uh, I talked about the post-moral. I said, I hope it doesn't become a shitty movie. I thought I saw something that it was going to become a movie. Is that still in the works, or did that die, or what happened with that? Um, The rights are owned by um, director Scott Derrickson, who... um who did uh, Marvel's Doctor Strange, which is coming out, I think, this winter. Oh, okay. Um, but it actually, but the rights expire this month. Uh, I don't know if he's going to keep them or not. But, you know, I, it's like anything else. I think it's so hard to get movies made. TV shows are a lot easier. I think his, his goal was to make it a TV show. Oh, okay. But I, um, I wouldn't, I don't, I doubt that a movie of it would ever get made. I think, I think a TV show would be much more likely, but there's nothing to indicate that that's happening in the near future. I can see... Either one of your books, the post mortal or the hike, becoming like a like a ten to twelve episode one off on Netflix or HBO or some, something where you can swear. I, they, they seem to fit into that niche pretty good. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I hope, I hope someone makes a movie and makes a billion fucking dollars. <laughs> That'd be money in your pocket. All right, so uh, go pick up the hike. It's on uh, Amazon, and if people can still go to bookstores, I'm sure it's there. I got mine through Amazon, so it's what I recommend. But uh, uh, anything you want to plug other than the book, Drew? Nah, I'm all good. Thanks, man. All right, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Okay, there you have it. The uh, Justin McIsaac podcast with 
Justin McIsaac, uh, Drew McGarry, kind enough to join me. If you enjoyed uh, this or any of the podcasts we've done, make sure you subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. I, I saw a whole bunch of people have done that, so I thank you for that. I guess that gets the podcast more visibility. I don't know how that works. I don't know a lot of things, but uh, I know you're supposed to tell people to do that. So uh, thanks for doing that. No idea who's going to be on next week. Uh, I've uh, sent out a bunch of invites. Haven't heard anything back yet. Um, so uh, who knows? But uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of uh, the podcast. Thanks for listening.